Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. Mikey Dread. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Good evening. Uh, unfortunately, we do have to announce some sad news. Um, the a good friend of the show, Gail Orenstein, we got we got an email from her husband to say that she she died recently. Unfortunately, very sadly. Um, and she's you know been on the show quite a few times. She came to Mini Air Show. Uh, I'm sure you know we we all had some good laughs with her. Um, and uh, it'll be. It's, Sad to see that she's gone. There has been a, a sort of memorial YouTube channel set up um, with sort of some memories uh, of her, and that husband's going to keep posting out on there. Um, so I'll put that in the description. Um, and yeah, the the there's still the the podcasts um, that we have with her uh, as well that was, are still up for free wherever you listen to your podcasts. She was such a serious journalist and the subjects she touched were, you know, quite um, nasty. But on the show, she was so funny. I don't think I've laughed as much as the time she attempted to tell our fortunes using a weird pack of cards. That was uh, hilarious. (laughs) Definitely, uh, definitely one of my favourite memories of her. And also I really enjoyed... Uh, meeting her at the mini air show and she uh, she as much as she enjoyed the show uh, we thoroughly enjoyed her company and uh, she would be deeply missed by all of us absolutely in other news um, it's also becoming increasingly clear to us that Tony uh, started to develop a drinking problem and has become very unstable on the show uh so therefore he's gone to rehab and he has joined the flat earth society and he will be away for a while until he gets better and until he finds the edge of this flat earth um so if if you'd like uh there's a there's a gofundme to kind of help tony along that along that way and uh yeah so he won't be around for a while but you know, we all hope you get better, buddy. And uh, let's start the show. Uh, tonight, we are joined by our overlord and master, Andrew Sashrank. Good evening. Uh, our special guest for tonight is uh, Cerebrus. Is that Velvet? <laughs> is that, uh, can I read properly? No. <laughs> I'm not um, one of the X-Men. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Think, and, think three-headed dog. Yeah. The guards the entrance of hell, and yeah. you'll get there. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's not going to try and say. No, try and say it again, Jack. One more time. I, I don't. Is it? Is it not Cerebrus? Cerberus. 
Cerberus. I'm so sorry. Am I saying it the Yankee way or something? No, you're, you're saying it the same way. You're saying it the same way. I don't know. I'm sorry. I've been told worse. Just, just in case you're not aware, Jack, if Tony's not here, then you're going to have to be the butt of all jokes. Now. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was anyway. I know. That was it. Maybe maybe he, he, he did do some heavy lifting in the show. Um, uh, no, you, you, you run a uh, drone shop, I believe. Is that right? Who's he talking to? Because I don't run a drone shop. Do you not? You, you, you also saved. You also saved our our, um, our beloved Winter Blue as well. I did. I rescued him from the the evil of females. Clutches. I yes. know he was he was destitute and homeless, <laughs> and we had a spare room, so we charged him an extortionate rent. So. <laughs> And, and made him work. Yes, absolutely. I think the key part to running professional podcast is researching your guests thoroughly and knowing what they do when <laughs> they come know. on. Maybe reading no, the research. I'm not oh, awake. Yeah, I know. I should. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not saying a word. I know. <laughs> Be easy on Jack. He's only just woken up. Maybe, maybe yeah, you misread him. it as maybe you know show and shop. Maybe that's your confusion there. Yeah, yeah true. So I yeah yeah hi everybody out there in YouTube. Uh, my name's Cerebrus and I and I run a YouTube shop. Awesome. <laughs> What's your show? <laughs> uh, so I, um, along with a couple of other people, started uh, a community called Killer Quads. Um, so you can find us on YouTube and Facebook. We have a Facebook group, and um, I run events and stuff with those guys. Um, I just this last weekend run my first. Uh, British qualifying uh, event, so a race that uh, is um, you can earn points for the British qualifiers this year. Um, and myself and Winter Blue uh, do a popular YouTube uh, channel podcast thing, a little bit like you guys, but a bit worse, uh, called oh, Quad no. Er- <laughs> Not with Quad me. Erratic. You'll have to um, fight us for that title. Yeah, I know. Uh, we, we've been off the air for a little while whilst uh, Winter Blue's been on call and moving house and stuff like that. But uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, every two weeks, we, we usually do a show for an hour. Um, you'll find the old ones on YouTube. Go, go and Google for them. They're there. Google me on YouTube. That is definitely is, so. in the in the description is the, the Killer Quads YouTube channel, which I believe is where you can find Quadratic. You can. And we just had a 199 donation for Cerebrus. <laughs> yes. your new name I'm, I'm so sorry about that um, yeah we're also joined by uh, Stephen Bellrick hello I might drop the Bellrick part but that's what I've been using over on Discord since uh, since forever hello everyone <laughs> and our beloved everyone's favourite curry kitten hello who, who will now take Gail's place in reading our fortune with weird cards you I, do, I do own the cards it. <laughs> really weirdly nice yeah it's uh yeah and i'm i'm and the person in the show is me jack who's not awake uh the only reason i'm here is because frank phoned me and i'm gonna sit here in the corner and shut up and uh wear this curry kitchen shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the reason We've got you on tonight, is because uh, Winterblue was plugging your name in uh, the audio Discord. Because uh, I was asking about the um, 
sort of the best way of, of sort of managing frequencies as we're coming up to the LDO no event that we're doing in a couple of weeks time. Um, and because, like, you. you know, we, we've always avoided kind of the, the racing events, we generally just do kind of freestyle kind of that sort of stuff. So we've kind of always just, been getting on with it and seeing what works but now that things have got a bit more complicated because there's digital and there's analog and you're trying to kind of manage everything that's that's all got a bit difficult and winter blue yeah. said you you'd know all about that Imagine. and also he he passed me on the this particular diagram from the guys who were also involved in the rotor hazard fpv timing gear which i had a look into and that looks really cool and Winterblue again says that you would know a lot about that. So I'm hoping we can pick your brains about all these things tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I can. I can be picked on many of those topics. <laughs> so, so, so what's the approach then? Is it just the person with the most powerful VTX wins until DJI guy <laughs> fires up and then blankets it, everyone absolutely. else? Yeah, <laughs> that would be a great way to race, Good wouldn't job. it? I've got <laughs> two thousand milliwatts. Somehow I'm winning because no one else can see. <laughs> no one else can see a darn thing. Yeah. Uh, that's how it works. Yeah, that's no. no that's... <laughs> that definitely sounds like how some of the early race events worked, but yeah, um, yeah we're, we're pretty hot on that stuff now. It's. Uh, 25 milliwatt limit and we've you know most race directors have got some sort of wandage uh the immersion rc wand or um i have something that was kind of home built it's based on rotor hazard actually Ooh. um so you, so you can see who's peaking and and who's not who, who's blasting across some of these cheap chinese um vtx's you give them a couple of crashes and uh they seem to start broadcasting on four frequencies at once excellent that's, well, that's just what chance. we want. For anyone who doesn't know, what is rotor hazard as a as a thing? Because it's kind of a group of things, but collectively, what would you? How would you describe it? So, rotor hazard came uh, from roots in Delta Five, which was a, a lap timer. So, back in the the long, long ago, people were doing races with transponders. Uh, so, you'd strap a transponder mm. to your quad; it would broadcast its own unique number and the receiver would be and in that's on infrared game. right it's broadcasting uh, yeah. yeah there are infrared versions of it there are, are um not rf i don't know too much about them because i've never used them um and somebody came up with the the clever idea i guess i don't know who came first immersion rc or um or the delta 5 project you're broadcasting a signal already and it's a unique signal to you it's it's if you're an r1 then it's the frequency r1 um so why don't we scan for that? So basically you place a box in the start-finish gate that's got eight video receivers in it, and you're looking at the RSSI. So just like you would in your goggles, you've got your RSSI in the top corner or bottom corner, wherever you put it. And if you draw a graph of what that RSSI is, when you pass above the timer, you see a peak, and then you go off and fly around the rest of the track. You might see a couple of other little bobbles as it, you know, as you do flippy floppies through a gate, but the main <laughs> peak is going to be when you cross the start finish line. And basically you're, you're counting the time between peaks. So if you, um, like if, if someone wanted to, to, to get into this, like, is it a case of going out and buying 
a kit or is it a case of buying like is it ready off the shelf or like how how do you get into actually having one of these things if someone wants to run a race so the first thing to do is uh hit the um facebook group for rotor hazard um which is uh a bunch of guys that are into it. there's a github so if you're into coding at all and if you'd like to contribute it's an open source project uh so you can jump on there and start uh looking at the issues, looking at the code. And basically, you're going to assemble your your uh, your electronics. Let's, let me just switch my view, and I'll show you a rotor hazard. Ooh. Um, so, okay, so here's, here's the contestants. So this is the Immersion RC box. This is the commercially available solution. And you can see you've got your eight uh, antennas there inside it. So you've got your eight video receivers. And a rotor hazard box is a little similar so this is the 3d printed case that i designed this is um part of the project and inside this you'll find uh, the pcbs okay so you can uh, the pcbs are open source you can grab the files for those you can send them off to a pcb house and have those created and you see here we've got the eight uh rx 5808 video receivers each one with an Arduino Nano that collects the RSSI information and then it's all polled by the Raspberry Pi here. Uh, my version has a 18650 pack in it as well, so it can sit out in the field. Most yeah. of it. Uh, and that run pretty much all day. This is a single channel. This just has one uh, of those RX5808s inside it. So if you're going out on your own practicing, mm-hmm. that's, that's something I forked from the project because... Uh, obviously being open source cool. your own kind of things with it yeah because um, that's i guess that's the sort of equivalent of uh so you, you can buy off the shelf from immersion rc they do this sort of uh they do a a, a puck version of the lap rf which does a similar sort of thing where it yes. can do one track one channel or it can track multiple channels but slightly less reliably um yeah. and then there's the so, lap rf eight way that would do eight of them and those are designed to bluetooth to a phone aren't they is this yes. more of a standalone thing? The the puck, which is just it just has one receiver inside it. <clears throat> so the if the if you're doing six channels with the puck, so six pilots is about your limit. Mm-hmm. You can go for eight if you go R eight. You don't really want to do that. You want to stick to six and use uh, something called IMD six, which I'll mm-hmm. go into a bit if you want. Um, the puck has one receiver in it, so it basically scans channel one, switches to channel two, channel three. So it's polling all of them, which is why it's not so accurate. Uh, and that Bluetooth to your phone, and that's that's great as a little practice box, actually. Um, mm. The Immersion RC, uh, the eight-way timer, if you're running a British qualifying event, you're pretty much stuck with the, the lap RF8. Uh, okay. Because the format of the race isn't yet supported by Rotor Hazard, but that is something oh. that's coming because it's open source. Uh, we kind of identified that you know we, we want to run a race a certain way, which live time can do. So we're going, tangenting off into live time. Uh, but Road to Hazard can't quite do that yet. But the next software update for Road to Hazard, that will be covered. Okay, um, so Road to Hazard has the kind of the race management software as well. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's the hardware that's doing, it's tracking the, the, the st- signal strength of each racer, but it's also managing. Yeah. So is that sort of, 
Is, is that what's kind of generating a load of, I mean, I, I've sort of been to the qualifying events where there's, you know, a speaker shouting next racer is this one, this one, this one racer one is in third position, all of that kind of stuff. Does the rotor hazard one do the same thing? Yeah, it does. So the, that raspberry Pi there in the rotor hazard, mm. that's, that's running the, the software and that's generating a, a website. Uh, oh. so you, you can, um, if you're running an event and you want superb reliability, you run a 50 meter ethernet lead out to your rotor hazard and you, and you plug it in on the ethernet. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm doing a practice session on a Friday after work with the guys, then I have um, a wireless access point, which will run off five volts and I put a battery pack on it and I stick it halfway between the rotor hazard and the laptop and they all attach to the Wi-Fi and I connect to it that way. So with rotor hazard, you're connecting directly to the rotor hazard and it's generating that website with all the information. You're putting your pilot data in, you're starting and stopping your races. Uh, and also at the end of a race, no system is infallible. So you'll maybe get a guy whose VTX is a little bit low and mm-hmm. you'll miss all his laps. And you're oh, okay, that's a bit strange. You, perhaps your signal was a bit weak and we didn't see the peak. So you'll, you'll look for, when you're looking for that peak, you'll look at the, the high point and the low point of the peak and say, well, if you, were, if you peaked in between those two bars, then that was a crossing. Yeah? Does that make sense? So, so, if, so if you've got a, a signal strength that is strong enough but also then goes away again, you got it. Then, yeah. then you've passed uh, uh, a gate. So you have to have entered and exited. Hmm. Which reminds me of a girl I used to know. Hmm. So, <laughs> so, given that you've got all these receivers in there, those are actually—they're not just checking signal strength; they're actually receiving analog feeds. Is there a way to take those analog feeds and do like an eight-up of all the pilots with a capture mm-hmm. device? No, no, no. That would be incredibly no, 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 bad. No. That would be incredibly okay. bad because what you want is. Uh, <laughs> A, an antenna. So um, you'll notice those video receivers, there were no uh, antennas. Want, yeah, of course, you just want a localized signal. You actually yeah. don't want coverage of the whole track. Yeah. Right, right. If, so that's if a you totally suddenly pick up the whole track, you can't yeah. see the peak anymore. Okay. Mm, so okay. actually, you want them hobbled. So that's why they've got no antennas on them. And the, the lap RF8, um, although it's got those antennas in it, uh, they the advertising blurb says that these were specially designed um, to to be lo- pick up a local um, signal. They look like GPS antennas. They do, don't they? They're about that kind of size. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, the the immersion RC blurb says that they were specially designed to only pick up a video feed directly above, like a little bubble above the. Above okay, the so they're like the very directional up. antennas. Yeah, they are only pointing up through the gate. Yeah, um, is that why? Because there's also like seems to be. A load of black magic and superstition about where you place these boxes and which direction they're pointing and all kinds of things. Yeah, so yeah, the, the general rule of thumb is you stick it in the middle of the gate pointing upwards. And and that Seems means you then have, you have to think about maybe putting something in front of the box so that the quads aren't hitting yeah, it right. directly. I was ah. just thinking what happens when a five-inch goes straight into the <laughs> beautiful <laughs> DIY creation. <laughs> haven't had a direct strike yet so what i do um is i have um how to describe it a, a metal wedge it's actually an right old, uh, just something to deflect the impact yeah uh so yeah. and that sits on the ground i actually put that to the side of the gate 
with the timer mm. sitting underneath it. Now, the thing to do then is point the opening away from the rest of the track. Mm. So you have to be kind of careful when you think about placing your start gate. You can't put your start gate um, right next to a split S or yeah. something something right. fiddly. If, you want if you've got a figure eight circuit, don't put it in the middle. Yeah, that, that would be bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want that very clear peak. Ideally, you want mm. all your track over here and then like an outlying half, gate. Half, half a mile away, just one gate with your timer. Um, oh, no, it's him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I invited your little... Um, your, your little stray alley cat. <laughs> you know. I was going to ask, oh, yeah. while we're on the video thing, is is there a solution to record all the racers' feeds? Because when yes. I looked at the DCL footage, I've looked at all this other stuff, and they go through and I think, oh, look at the quad racing. And I look, and it's just an hour and a half of them talking to these guys and looking at the sponsorship and fancy video fa feeds. And there's like 30 seconds of actual race footage in the middle. Now, luckily, it would be really nice to... Are because... you talking about Frank's Magic Box? Well, the, the magic box that Jack built, yeah. That's, we've, we've got our own solution for that problem. But I, I'm interested to see what, what Cerberus has got. Yeah, yeah. I tend to find they don't show DVR footage because most Cerberus of the time it's the really things. unwatchable for uh, oh, any audience. Oh, you've got a lot well, of public right there. there. I'd be fascinated. That looks awesome. So that is... Um, do you know the Ishim Pro 58 goggle module? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. six of those. Uh, and then you know that you know that little thing you can put on the side of your DJI goggles and then plug an analog module into it? Mm -hmm. Yep. They're all sitting on top of those. So there's six of those. Mm -hmm. uh, 3D printed box that I designed. Nice. Um, some antennas provided by our sponsors, Unmantech. Thank you, Unmantech. Uh, and, yeah, you, you mm. plug your... That's cool. You plug your video out into each of them. Mm. Uh, they go into, weirdly, uh, a CCTV box. Mm -hmm. um, oh, right. Plug, plugged in forgot the six about CCTV the toast. cameras. Uh, the toast rack, yeah, that's a, uh, a problem that you have is PAL and NTSC cameras. Mm -hmm. Oh, so right, yeah. you, If you've got your CCTV box, can generally do one or the other. So you have to have six PAL to NTSC converters. So you've got one in every feed. And yeah, and then put them all into OBS Studio and drag them around. When when I was living with Serb last year, he spent maybe four weeks designing and printing this thing that's become the toast rack. And it's just been, it's like, I've made a little tiny tweak. He'd be like, where? But like, no, I've got this bit. And then he'd print another one and then another one. And it was, it was like a minor obsession I, for your, your stuff look awesome but i was wondering if anyone had thought about just buying a bunch of these cheapo usb things and plugging them in then i do know someone who oh. has tried that um but unfortunately at least with the version that they had at the time um the actual usb devices would show up with identical Serial numbers, so you couldn't. Mm, that sounds like a quality Ishii product to me. Yeah, yeah. The That's the Ishii and Rocio too for anyone that wants an identity. This is device. what Gav was doing, yeah, for um binary thingy. What's it? Roll. Just yeah. binary throttle. Knows him as Gav. Don't worry, Gav and his yeah. van. Your actual um, killer with that is don't mention USB the bandwidth. van. <laughs> Sorry, Cerberus. Your your actual killer with that is USB bandwidth. Because a USB bus can only transfer so much data. If mm -hmm. you put four of those on a USB bus, it's full. 
They're only USB 2. If you put it on a USB 3 hub, you'd be off to the races. Try it. <laughs> cheap, I might just. I use this all the time, by the way, for configuring quads on the bench. So I just put it on I, the monitor. And I haven't had a go to fly it, on side monitor. Too, too many people tried it and said no. Just you, if fair you enough. Really, I can believe it's crap because it is an e-sheen product and it is very. I cheap. think if you actually, I mean, we tend to use laptops because nobody wants to cart a PC out to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I reckon if you actually had like a MIDI tower case and you put a load of USB cards in it. Um, but then I don't know how saturated the PCI bus would get. So It's an interesting experiment. I might just buy a couple of them and see what happens and see if they do just explode and I can't use two <laughs> at the same time because they're just clones of the same USB uh, serial. Um, yeah. I, we'll I suppose, that, to quote Cerberus earlier, will it scale, though? Will it scale? <laughs> <laughs> By eight. We'll see what happens. That's where DJI you know, comes in. Just, just process yeah, yeah. are nice and cheap. So what happens with DJI capture? Is anyone even doing DJI racing or do you just give people a finger? Really? Yes, no, no, yes. I um, see there's a mention of DJI on the webpage for Rotor Hazard. Yes. So if you're racing in a British qualifying event, if you you join the BDRA uh, and you're going to truck around the country with us, flying at different tracks every weekend and building up your your points uh, towards the championship at the end of the year, then it's analog. That's it. Because um, DJI kind of came along and BDRA looked at it and said, okay, we need to figure out how we, we can roll this in and we can start doing uh, digital races. Uh, and then the coof hit. So mm. nobody could leave the house, let alone try mm. and run a, run a race and figure out how DJI works. So Nobody was sitting on their bench for the entire lockdown looking at the problem. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> well, well, you can do that on your bench, but it's only real when there's six of you in a field mm. in, interfering with each other, and then mm. you plug your quads in. That's not, not racing. Not actually. <laughs> <laughs> Something different from racing. I think so, that's that's my experience. People interfering each other in a field sounds like something else. <laughs> so my uh, absolute experience of any FPV event is is nothing is real until everyone is there. Yeah, because it absolutely. doesn't matter how you, you can have a bunch of you sitting around testing every possible scenario you can come up with. Still, there'll be more, when there's everyone there, they'll come up with something else and yeah. things will start interfering and it all goes horribly wrong. Someone will rock need up with to their it just needs- video transmitter and they'll be like, I'm definitely on race one. And everyone else will be like, you are not on race one. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the thing is, you don't even need there to be someone doing anything wrong. You don't need to be anything actually going wrong. You just need enough races to suspect that something is affecting their race, their, their feed. And, and the whole event is, is, is a on the massive building and knock the doors down. Yeah. <laughs> we can deal with that though. We can deal with that. I mean, I, going back to what you were saying, it's absolutely true. I've run, Countless races in the living room, much to my wife's joy. <laughs> it's not until you take all of, you know, I, I get the folding tables out and I set all the both, all three of the laptops up, and and I'll run through a race and and it'll be absolutely fine. You take it out to the field, thirty six people turn up that have paid their money and, and won a race, and the timer will stop tracking R eight for reasons that only it understands. That's what happens. That, that, that sounds like Sunday. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me on Sunday. <laughs> but the, if somebody is chucking out um, like 10 million gigawatts on six channels at once, um, I actually have, uh, so you saw inside the road hazard box, you've got the Arduino Nano and the RX5808. Mm-hmm. I have um, 
one of that in a box. So one node in a box with a proper antenna. And I've got a piece of Python code that draws a graph. It, it nice. tunes the channel up by three, takes an RSSI, goes up by three, takes an RSSI, and it will then just draw you a chart. And you can get all six pilots to stand in front of you and plug in, and you'll see six nice peaks that are all roughly the same height unless someone's absolutely blasting, and then their peak will be off the charts. And you go, right, <laughs> you're disqualified. Busted. Pass, pass the hammer. Um, <laughs> we, so we I've got to say, when we, the, the graph, watching the graph change is actually, like, really, really fun. Like, I've spent, like, a good hour just glaring at it on Sunday. It's like, oh, pretty. Because it changes, because it's running all the time, and as people fly around the track, it you can see it getting higher and lower, and oh, it's, it's it's like hypnotizing. an RSSI lava. Yeah. <laughs> Don't encourage that. Frank. He'll make a spreadsheet. He will. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've, I've gone past spreadsheets now. Oh, no, no. <laughs> having, having spent the past few months being forced to do loads of stuff with actual code. Code is the future. We had a, we had a guy on Sunday. Um, so one of the heats, like heat three or something, everybody who got came back after their race and went, my video was awful. It was really terrible. It's like, okay, before you start your next heat, everybody come stand in front of race control and plug in. Uh, and I get them to plug in one at a time. So one plugs in, there's your peak. Next one plugs in, there's your peak. Third guy plugged in and he peaked. He had his main Everywhere. peak, but then every other uh, every other frequency went up about half. <laughs> there was something wrong with his VTX. And the only way you can know that is with that piece of kit. And, mm. and basically, he retired that drone for the day and had to fly a different one. Mm. I'm just imagining you getting them all lined up and like playing the countdown music or something while you're doing <laughs> this, while you're <laughs> analyzing the peaks. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, um, so another thing to, to follow up on, because you said loads, is DJI. Yes, Rotor has a contract mm. DJI. Hmm. Because have you ever had enough people this. who want to race with DJI turn up? Because you can't really do analog and DJI because it'll just leave static all over the analog. Even if you distance the channels, it, it just makes a mess of it. And I've, I've seen it firsthand. Um, Most we've managed. If you had just DJI, like f five or six DJI pilots all turn up to race. I've not had that yet. I'm looking forward to it because I think it will be probably possible. So there's some mm. guys in the States that with the rotor hazard say they've done it with five mm. DJIs. We've run analog DJI mixed. If you, if you set your channels up cleverly, you can mix. Um, mm. The worst that we had was the analog pilots said they'd got some faint mm. horizontal lines. Yeah. Faint is very, that's a nice way of putting it. The way well, I was standing about 30 foot away from the, the guy flying DJI and I had like strike out straight through my image. Yeah, and every was, now and then it would just decide not to give me a frame. And I'm running like rapid fire. It's because if not, you've if you've got your uh, your analog pilots on 25 milliwatts, what about the the digital DJI pilots? Like, because I can, mean, they they can, can go put out like their 15 megabits per second and however many milliwatts because they've you, got. You can turn the... DJI down to 25. Well, in that's the, the UK, that's you, my question. You have to go out it's... of your way to unlock it to get more than 25. If you say I'm in the UK and you plug in your your Vista. It's going to put mm. you on twenty-five unless you fart around and put these little text files the on channels. the unit to lift it. Yeah, yeah. right. And yeah, also restricted four channels by default in the UK. Yeah, and yeah. If you're four in other channels. countries, then you're yeah. In the UK, you're limited to four channels at twenty-five milliwatts. Um, 
fortunately they thought about this and so so when you travel to places like america you can unlock it using a text file with the number one in it um, mm -hmm. which gives you access to any milliwattage you want and uh, all eight of the available channels unless and you're in 50 you megabits mode at which point don't fly with you get four people. channels it basically uh, 50 megabits choose through two 25 megabit channels that's all it's doing it's taking two channels and joining them yeah. and if you want to get 1200 you have to then put something on the goggles for some reason you unlock everything on the actual air unit but then if you want to go to 1200 milliwatt you do this thing on the goggles as well. hmm. i gotta say but i've yeah, never so had a need to do that no. like, i've been flying <laughs> dji for like two years i've never had a need to go that high. i've never thought that is way too cool. That air unit's just not hot enough. I need to put more heat to it. <laughs> not happening. I want to see it glow. <laughs> I want a cherry red to match all the rest of the quad. I yep. want my colour scheme. Forget LEDs. We're just going to have yep. like, overheated yeah, air units. And when I plug in, I want to sterilise myself. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. The other thing about racing is 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 got to be the DVR footage though, and that, that's from where I'm sitting, that's what really lets down analog racing is because the footage you get is yeah. just shocking DVR. And obviously with DJI, and especially with the stuff, the open source project that allows you to get the video out with a simple HDMI input dongle, yeah. you can capture all that you can capture all that video in glorious and, hd and, do and that i think is why those that. those race drones they had these honking great was it dcl with these honking great seven inch drones and they had like a gopro mounted right at the nose of the thing right by the fpv camera and of course they're not going to do a live broadcast but they can do a mashup after the race and take all those gopro feeds and, and do an eight up or whatever of those gopro feeds but you, yeah, you're right. Like plugging in a USB-C into everyone's goggles and running those all into a pie, it's it's a doddle. The video is already encoded, so it's just much easier than dealing with analog video. It's coming. Yep. It's definitely coming. Hmm. It, it, there's a, a few of us playing with it in the background. Um, we've we've trialed it, and we do uh, practice on Friday nights. Um, and I generally lug the laptop and all the timing gear out. So if you look on the Killerquads channel, you'll see some Friday night and Monday night practices um, where we're, we're streaming. Um, and uh, the the biggest area I think that um, pretty much all of us in the UK when we're streaming races, the biggest thing we fall down on is we don't tell the human stories. You can put the the six feeds up on the screen and you can put all the timing data up and you can, but it's only going to be watched by people that absolutely want to watch it. It it, it fails why mm. what I refer to as the wife test. You know. <laughs> You can put the Formula One on, and generally, people that aren't massive Formula One fans will be okay. They'll watch it. They'll get some enjoyment from it because the commentators will give you those human stories, and they'll, and they'll they'll give you the jeopardy, and and they'll tell you, oh, he's having to change tires because of this. And generally, as race directors uh, and and streamers at races, we don't have the resources to really get into those human stories i wish i had enough spare people to to hand them a, an, an ndi video camera that's linked 
you know, by IP and send them into the pits and start talking to people and, you know, and, and really start commentating about, oh, you know, he's two seconds behind. He needs this to get into the next round. You know, those real human stories. We, we don't have the capacity to do those yet. But uh, it's coming. There's a lot of us out here that are, like, pushing towards that, you know. So you think we're going to see quad pundits soon? <laughs> I, I, I would hope I'll be one of them. I, I think no. that's the only way to make quad footage. I, I, I still don't think it will pass the wife test, but <laughs> vaguely watchable. Because the, yeah. the other thing with DVR, it's not just the fact that it's analog footage. And by the way, do you notice how many professional pilots don't set up their cameras right? The amount of them that are called oh. run cam is off yeah. the scale. <laughs> it's but foxy. Yeah. Oh, even, folks, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Even with like um, good GoPro footage, real like super pilots, they're taking such lines that don't make any sense to people. It's almost like you need to expand the size of the racetrack so it's less technical in order to make it more audience family. So that's kind of where the likes of, I think, DC, I haven't really watched any of it, where they do these weird like cave systems and stuff, and then they cut it together into a more sort of professional package, sort of works where it would be really, really difficult to do that sort of thing live and make it entertaining. In, in my rarely humble opinion, it's, it's DRL. <laughs> Is DRL have really got the closest to actually nailing mm. the package on presentation and you know ni- nice graphics and you know, you know something that I'm going to start to do is at the start of races when they're all sitting on the blocks and you're waiting to get the race going. I want to have a head and shoulder shot of each pilot mm. overlay overlaid in their feed, so you start to know who these people are. Mm-hmm. You know and and. Again, it's that phrase, human stories. I think DRL really nailed that with kind of, uh, and until they went the van over route, I kind of, kind of feel they they went a bit WWE with that. Like had a like a cartoon villain which was van over, um, but you know. Yeah, I mean I DRL. That, like I went to the the Ali Pali one, and like being in the audience there really gave me. You know, no, left me in no doubt that it's absolutely that that end product is of the the show is their primary goal. That's that's yeah. their primary focus. That is what everything else is aimed for. Like we don't really care about the audience there. We don't really care about the races or the racing or the or anything. Everything is hundred percent. Is this making something that someone can watch? you know on the tv that's that is their absolute focus on it um and you know like you're saying that's actually results in something that you can actually watch yeah. um because I mean, the the other you know even what spectating at a at a real event like without watching the the feeds i mean it's it's quite hard to keep track of like who's racing now what's going on because you know a race is only a couple of minutes and thirty. Yeah, so you've you've haven't you have got to, a lot of time to, to really to get your head around it. Yeah, you have to really be infused, but you have to really want to know. Um, mm. And I think if you if you're someone that goes to the races and you kind of move in those circles and you start to put faces to names uh, and and get to know the guys that are racing, then you know some of the personal stories, and then it becomes more interesting. Mm. But 
I mean, the first race I ever went to is like, I don't know anybody. Um, there's no, it's not like we can afford to put big, like 60 foot screens up so people can watch. So you're, mm-hmm. you're watching a YouTube stream on your phone. You're watching these things whiz around. I'm like, yeah, this is dull as dirt. This is <laughs> not interesting at all. Yeah. I think I mean, it depends that's... who you're appealing to though. The sports is very much a way to split people because the typical sports thing is about cheering for your, your team, your mm. guys, yeah. And you're feeling some investment in it. Whereas I think a lot of quad pilots are kind of more the traditional technologist cut where they're like, eh, and which one flies better? Is that flying better? Is that, mm-hmm. I wonder, did he fail that because of this, because he had the wrong motors, because it was too heavy, or did he time it wrong? And mm-hmm. I, it, it's interesting to see sports hit technology quite as violently as this because mm-hmm. you've got people who are, who are real nerds and geeks I'm proud of it, and they don't give a crap about like being the, the tough guy and you know running around yeah. the field. Oh, but that's... this is still now becoming a sport, which puts them in the same place as the, the tough guys running around fields. When you when you're sitting behind the camera, and um, I, I noticed Pucker saying something about the race on Sunday. Thank you for that. It was um, good fun. Um, but, but as the as the kind of producer of a show. What Frank was saying is completely true. You kind of want somebody to, to lose their and throw their transmitter across the field, <laughs> you know, because it's great telly. And um, we, we have to kind of figure out how – we don't want that really happening, but we have to yeah. figure out those kind of personal – and bring it to the people and bring it to the public watching because we want people to get, you know, interested and excited in the sport. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a way we can combat the whole, you know, Heathrow Airport crap. Is, yeah put it on the telly make it an amazing sport and, and that people sit there and go wow mm. oh you know oh, it's, it's on tomorrow i've got to tune into that it's amazing watch these guys and oh you know i'm going to be shouting for um brett Collins any killer quads pilot, any killer for... quads pilot. <laughs> shout for any killer quads pilot that's the way to do it i'm, I'm just wondering does it become about the kind of wrestling thing where you've got heels and people like this and you've got to have a villain the whole time and it's less about the actual the event itself and more about the characters. Well, I, mm. I hope we don't go that way. I hope we don't ever do what DRL did and go for that, you know, the Vanover thing, which I, I really kind of feel like they were, they were looking for to make him the, the baddie. Um, but we, we, we've never, you know, we're in, in our infancy, we're a grassroots sport. We've, we've not really gone down that route of finding out who these guys are and finding out a bit more about them, I don't think. I do kind of see quad racing more more akin to the esports stuff, hmm. which has has really taken off, and there's some serious money in there. And they're managing to do a similar thing where you've essentially got a bunch of guys doing this on a keyboard, <laughs> looking really intently in a monitor, That's and yet they're managing to do. Curry, by the way, <laughs> yeah, but you you saw you saw the tops of the fingers, okay, doing this <laughs> with a keyboard, being being really intense and yet they're managing to do somehow uh, not that i watch it but i've watched a bunch of like netflix documentaries about it um interesting commentary and sort of really getting into it and people are really sort of behind the teams and individuals but they are sort of telling that human story again and i think that mm-hmm. what you're saying is really key about about making the whole thing more invested in in yeah. individual people's not just the fact there's a quad going around really quick mm-hmm. It's, it's a you bit can't too really watch with your eyes. I've got to say, like watching yeah. the ra- well at the racing on Sunday, I was like, I saw them all take off, and now they're just blurs moving around the track, <laughs> and I couldn't, couldn't <laughs> tell which one was which and whose was whose. And it doesn't help if everyone flies with the same color props. 
I just want to mm-hmm. say, please use different color props. LEDs. LEDs, yeah. LEDs. Oh. But it, it's no, kind it, of two. It's two sided as well because the pilots couldn't care less. They want to get out and they want to go and they want to go mm-hmm. racing and mm-hmm. uh, enjoy their day. And and they do. You know, it, it's a really great yeah. sport to be involved with. They couldn't care less about me sitting in a gazebo in the corner trying to figure out what the the human interest angle is. Right. <laughs> so, so uh, was it DRL that? literally had those big quads and they all had different leds mm-hmm. and all the pilots were dressed in the right color and all the fat yeah, sharks yeah. and the radio yeah, yeah. yeah. that worked didn't it because you can like oh that, he's that guy and he's mm-hmm. go on yellow if you don't know who it is yeah. sort of i was thing. gonna say it works go, go. those quads are probably like a thousand pounds for a quad and can you make a pilot who's already doing r- drone racing spend a thousand pounds for their special league series quad in DRL, and that's how much they yeah. weigh as well <laughs> yeah, they're really heavy. But DRL, DRL brought all the quads. So in in mm. DCL, um, you you take your own quad. In DRL, they were turning up with five hundred quads mm-hmm. that, that they had built all to the same spec. Where's the money come from? <laughs> well, for that, that that was literally that they were you know selling the you know the. The actual, the advertising, um, the product, the yeah. the show, to broadcast companies. Um, Their sponsors are like Allianz and BMW and you know mm, big hitters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, fundamentally, like all sports, it becomes about where you can get the advertising. Yeah, to but but there's, you know, I I don't think you have to go full DRL to make something that's more compelling. Like mm. if you if you do, I mean, we, what we tried to do at the the mini air show events was with the the team, the team racing. You know, we were trying to kind of slow things down a bit so that it was a bit easier for people to get around. You know, you can sit there and watch around for ten minutes, and it's going to be the same people, and you're going to watch them kind of playing off of each other. And there's these because it's a team, and you've got like these big team names, and like some of them are wearing costumes, and so that kind of makes things a, a bit easier to follow as well. Um, having the sort of um, you know the coloured spots and trying to like suggest that people do try and keep their their props and their LEDs to the colours of where they're going to be sitting for most of those rounds. Uh, that that you know we we were trying to kind of make something sort of a bit easier for the people who were there to watch. I mean. It would definitely have benefited from basically that same problem of having someone there who can commentate in the same way that that Niall did at the the Rotor Rotor Racing events. Um, And, you know, who who knows enough of the community. Um, And the other one, uh, Craig Films. Uh, He, you know, he's, he's another good commentator who knows enough of the community to be able to kind of have a few jokes and sort of explain, you know, who people are and who's like the the front runner and, and, you know, who's the kind of bit of a joker and to be able to, like you say, bring sort of that human interest into it. And and I think that is important to be able to have something that's, you know, you know, passing that wife test, getting, you know, just someone who, you know, maybe is just a model aircraft enthusiast who happens to be walking past some drone racing at, Western Park or something, and just kind of sees that. Oh, this is some. Something that has a narrative. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and it has a bit of a story, a bit of fun, um, and it's 
it's understandable that like you're not focusing on trying to follow it round a track and go, wow, that's just insane. I, I can't relate to how quickly you're getting that yeah. round there. Do, do you know what I've just, I just, do, does anyone, you're all old enough to remember um, the battle robots things. I can't say. Yeah. Robot Wars. Robot Wars. Robot Wars. Yes. They brought that back recently, didn't they? Did they? Oh God, really? I think so, yeah. What we need is robot, is, is drone wars. Oh, oh, people have tried. Yeah, they did some where they had to knock each other out of the sky and there were people with, with nets around their quads and stuff. I think mm-hmm. Peter Strobel had a video where he did yes. a, a drone he mm-hmm. was building in. Yeah, yeah, yeah that. So that was Game yeah. of Drones over in the Netherlands, who again we, we were going to have over at Mini Air Show at one point when events were still happening um, and when we still had a venue. Um and then the the other side of it was there were the there's been a couple of attempts to have a another TV show where they'd get a couple of teams to almost scrap heap challenge together a drone into uh, a particular situation. So that I think the pilot was about um, I think a sort of fire situation, fire and rescue situation. Um, but there, there you know there's there's been a couple of attempts and. Yeah. I think there's there's loads of fun things we we can do and we should do to make it. Mm. And I and I I should say I'm I'm only uh, kind of saying this stuff because I want other people to to see what we do and think it's amazing. Yeah, um, like we did um, on one of our Whoop events um, back when we were allowed to do Whoop events, we did uh, the the 24 minutes to Whoop. Mm. So instead of the 24 hours of Le Mans, the 24 minutes of Whoop, because a Whoop battery lasts like what three minutes. Mm-hmm. So we had teams of four or five pilots, um, and they would go out and, and do as many laps as they could before the lipo died. They'd have to land in the pits, next mm-hmm. guy plugs his whoop in, and out they went. And the more kind of crazy stuff like that we do, the more fun it is, I think. Mm. And we do we do mad things like, um, I've never done it, but I've seen a, a, a lucky dip for props. So you have to put your hand okay. in the bag and pull out four random props, <laughs> put, them on, put them on your quad, and then race. <laughs> Which I fancy a go at that. That looks kind of bonkers. Yeah, but yeah, I think that that's the sort of thing that if you've if you've got a format that is working to include the general public or like non-pilots, then that kind of thing is something that you can kind of throw into there and and, yeah. and make and it even more fun. As long as the pilots are still having fun with it, then happy yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the that's the bottom line. Is is it's supposed to be fun? Yeah. Um, if it's not fun, when, stop it. Yeah. I mean, I'll, you <laughs> when, know, when the fun when, stops, stop. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's one of the or, reasons or I don't race is because I get too stressed and too angry and, <laughs> and yeah. get all grumpy. Speaking of not fun, did you see fun. the? Did you see the um, academic analysis of drone racing? Yeah. Where they were figuring out how to do perfect that laps, and they got. Cool. I've forgotten who it was. Ah, some guy who'd been a, a drone um, kind of top three in the world. Was it Gab? Gab something oh, or other. The, a, the AI name. drones. They and finally they, got yeah, one to be yeah. human, didn't they? They, they were like knocking 0.8 of a second off Gab's time. It was pretty impressive. And they'd figured out not just to take the absolute fastest approach, but how to like conserve momentum through turns and everything. Pretty yeah, neat. That's a, that's a really important thing to learn, actually, when you – 
when you're racing is, is sometimes it's about that line. And actually, if you swing out wider to carry more speed through the gate, then then you're overall quicker. Um, I, I've done a fair bit of track racing in, in my youth, um, and I'd still do it now if I could afford it. Um, and actually racing lines and, and carrying speed is is stuff that a lot of guys in the drone racing haven't quite figured out. The real quick guys, you can tell that they have, and you watch the DVR back and you see how they're, they're swinging out before they hit the gate because then they can carry all that speed through it down the straight. They're not looking to go through the gate, stop and turn. They've yeah. thought ahead. Right. That, that's kind of a big penny drop for me. I, I, I think a few other pilots have found that as well. When I first started racing, so and I don't just race, I freestyle as well. It's all drone flying. It doesn't matter whether you're flying a bando or flying gates, just go and fly. It's not two camps, okay? Go fly. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, yeah, but we need to divide and argue and squabble amongst ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> We can still be, manage that. We try. It's to be us against the news of the world, not us against each other. Um, but I discovered, I kind Amen. of had an epiphany um, about 12 months ago, and I suddenly started flying between gates. Because what I was doing was I was flying through a gate, and then there'd be like a mental reset. And then I'd fly to the next gate and fly through it. And then and my brain would kind of reset for each one. And then a lot of people have said this to the same thing. You kind of suddenly start flowing. Yeah, yeah. There was another paper where they actually did gaze analysis. They they looked at the pupils of the pilots and tracked them around the image. And they found out that when a pilot, a pro pilot, was flying through a gate, they weren't looking at the gate they were flying through. They were looking at the one after. Even yeah. before they went through a gate, they weren't looking at that gate. They were looking at the one following that. Yeah. So they'd already started to line up. And their gaze, there was like uh, vectors they planned, like the course of the drone, the angle that the the next gate was and the gaze of the pilot was like somewhere between where their drone was heading and the next gate. They were already kind of looking, glancing off towards that side before they even hit the gate before. That's a, a great really? piece of advice a pro pilot gave me. I couldn't do corkscrews. So when you kind of go through a gate around and through the one next to it, and I just could not do them. I could not do them. Uh, and somebody said to me, where are you looking? Right. Um, I don't actually know. And I'm like, look at the next gate. And when you suddenly start focusing on where you're going instead of where you've been, suddenly I could do corkscrews. Mm. Nice. That must be a great feeling. Uh, yeah. I, I still do them very slowly, though, because I'm old. But but anyone like, ever none of us are 14. Yeah. <laughs> anyone ever so seen like, Yeah. Um, Check. Has is is anyone ever seen... Um, uh, top BSM Thomas, uh, like with his like stick cameras, like he's always like just the far extremes of the travel of the gimbal as he as he tears around the. I just I yeah. can't get my head around it. Yeah, but a lot of races like, are running four hundred degree a second rates. They're not running a thousand degree a second. Yeah, yeah they I don't know. need to. They don't need to do spins. They just need to turn mm -hmm. and hit the next gate. There's never like go through a gate and immediately like 180 and then 180 and then 180, 180. It's just yeah. So yeah. my free my freestyle quads are I think um, either on default or a thousand. My race quads are down on 400 because you you don't want that twitchiness. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. counterproductive. That, that gimbal is like that gimbal's like your mouse pad, and you want the comfortable area you can use and use all of it, right? 
so that you can get precision. For your viewers, a mouse pad is something you use to put your computer <laughs> mouse on when moving it around. Yeah, so that computer computer mouse is when you don't, don't, don't have a touch screen. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the, the other thing that's really, like that really counterintuitive thing is if you're doing that kind of like a corkscrew move again, do a corkscrew or a split S or something like that, you back off. You come off the throttle and make the turn. And actually, that's that's not what you want to do. You want more throttle. It's a little bit like an F1 car. So if you drive an F1 car slowly, you lose all the ground effect, you lose all the, the, the aero grip, and you slide off. And, and quad racing is the same thing. You want that power. You have to overcome the, the temptation to back off the throttle as you go into the corkscrew. You want more power so that you're getting more grip, and then you, you make the maneuver with, with your other inputs. Mm. So when's when's your next events coming up? Or where, where can people find some events if they do want to go and have a go at some racing? Well, you, you've just missed uh, the biggest killer quads race of the year, um, which is the, the Jim Gibney Memorial Race, which we run every year. Uh, so our first ever race was with the MX5 Owners Club because I was on the committee of the Owners Club at the time. Mm-hmm. And they said, do you do this drone racing thing? We're doing our summer national There'll be 6,000 MX-5s in the car park. Do you want to come and do a race to show people, you know, a bit of spectator sport? Yeah, of course I will. So that's why I got into Rotor Hazard because I couldn't afford a lap RF. Mm-hmm. And uh, I brought some Forza pop-up football goals. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I built a Rotor Hazard and I threw it all together. And um, I stuck it up on IFPV. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was great. Like f- six pilots came and it was all good and they – they all sat down, and I was a big fan of DRL at the time. Um, uh, and um, one of the pilots sits down, and I haven't really like looked at them, you know, had much time to chat with them because I've been running around sorting stuff out. And uh, this guy sits down for the first heat, and he goes into his bag, and he pulls out his red fat sharks. <laughs> uh, oh dear! <laughs> and it was it was uh, add one. Um, who was who was in DRL at the time, and I'm like, oh crap! I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'm in a field, and I've got a DRL pilot. Flying, <laughs> and I'm not really sure what I'm doing. Um, and and Jim uh, Jim Gibney, really good friend of ours, uh, who sadly passed away. Uh, he was there. He did the pilot check ins that day. Uh, so um, since he passed Fair away, respect. we um yeah he, we we run one race a year in his honour. And that was on Sunday, just gone. Uh, we had 36 pilots. Uh, but um, I have heard that the MX-5 Owners Club might be back out and doing an event, and they'd uh, like to revisit. So we might be doing mm. another We might be doing another exhibition race this year. Don't know. Um, next year, we will definitely be doing a lot more races. We kind of didn't quite bounce back from the COOF as quickly as we hoped. Uh, if you do want to get into the racing, IFPV is the website to go and look at. BDRA is the website to go and look at. Uh, there's an event. The next British qualifying event is over Western Supermareway. That's on the 14th. Uh, that's being run by Westlands Drone Events, who are fantastic guys. They run really good events. Uh, will I run another outdoor this year? I hope to. I hope to. It'll either be the MX-5 one um, or something else that i might have 
I'm planning that I can't really talk about in case it doesn't work. But yeah, keep your eye on the IFPV website. You'll you'll see all the, the calendar there, and also you'll see everybody's standings. You can see you know who's winning, who's where on the league table. I think I'm 62 in the UK at the minute. <laughs> Pretty good. I, I, saw, um, I saw the Jim Gibney Memorial Race come up in my feed uh, for YouTube a while ago, so I just dropped a link in the chat if anyone wants to check that out. Cool. I was going to have a look at the IFPV league hour. table, but it's all now all now hidden behind a login, so I won't do that. <laughs> That's a way to discourage people. <laughs> it's not good. Have a word. Have a word with Druid and find out why that's the case. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, last my last question, just because I want to know personally, because IMD6 is like the standard. These yeah. six channels work happily with each other for reasons that we don't have enough time to go into. Intermodular yeah. distortion. Well, yeah, but that doesn't really help if you don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but... Um, what fact, do you do very, with because DJI? Quickly, you can explain that really, really quickly. You're fine if there are, if there are two pilots on two frequencies. But as soon as you add a third frequency, the resultant output of those three frequencies creates another frequency. So that plus that will create a little bulge in the middle uh, where the, where they meet and overlap. So you have to pick your frequencies not only spaced apart, but so they don't hit the bulges where they interfere with each other. Hmm. So with with those, like the opposite playing music. You've got, uh, it's usually IMD6C, I think, is R1, R2, F2, F4, R7, R7 and R8. R8. Yep. Um, and so how does that match, match up with DJI? Like, how do you, which ones do you say? Those, you, DJI, you can have those two. Do you say, like, yep. R1 and R2 are now DJI, or how does if that I, work? If if There's a beautiful I... graphic somewhere. There's a fantastic chart that was actually put together by the lead developer of the Rotor Hazard project. Um, And it sometimes shows up on web pages not attributed to him, which is a bit annoying. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. And basically, if I've got one pilot, if I've got one pilot turns up with DJI, then he's going up the RA end Mm. because because I know that I can um, set the Rotor Hazard to a DJI channel up that end. And everybody else can can hide down the R one R two end, and pretty much we're going to be safe. But, um, and that, that's how we arrange it. Have you if ever remember- had someone turn up with DJI who has not put a text file on their on their goggles? Because I mean that that limits them to, as far as I can tell, a no no channels that fit on the, the-, the biggest the biggest task of a race director um, when you're doing a practice event definitely, um, is the new guys that turn up. Because a new guy turns up and he's on 1.6 gigawatts on Boscam B. Um, <laughs> because, you know... <laughs> this has actually happened. <laughs> because when you're new, you don't go out and fly with other people and it doesn't factor into your thoughts at all mm-hmm. that you can even change channel. Um, and you rock up and you're like, hi, guys, I've come to fly with you. And you're like, right, okay, what channel are you on? And they're like, channel? What's 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 a channel? So you, you have to have in your armory the ability to um, s- teach someone how smart audio works. And generally that's, not, have it. Yeah, generally that's not been wired up. So you need a good mental bank uh, of uh, how many button presses it takes to put a Tramp VTX into unlock mode and 25 mm. milliwatts and... Um, 
Look at that. So I've, just opened, I've just opened a toolbox with look frequency charts and button presses and, and dip switches and all sorts. Oh. Yeah. But oh, so, so, so if if someone comes up to you and says, I, I'm just sticking to the the standard EU DJI completely locked in channels, you go. Mm. Well, then you, you, it's not going to work. You can't can't well, race. Uh, it, it can. No, so DJI channels map, then it maps to race band. Yeah. So channels one, two, three, four should be race band R one, R two, R three, R four. But not the CE ones. CE one, two, three are within within the the fat shark range, but don't match up with the fat shark ones. So what, what, that's what I mean is like R one, R two, R seven, R eight are not within the CE DJI channels. All right. Yeah. So you have to do the unlock to make it easy to. Yeah. I, I remember if you have done the unlock, then it matches R1 through R8, except 7 and 8 yeah. around for some silly reason. Who's old enough to remember back in the analog days when you used to have coloured pegs on a board to see who was on what crystal? What, ribbons yes. tied to the end of your transmitter. <laughs> so if you turn up to a Killer Quads event, you'll be, you'll be experiencing the race ducks. Oh, no, not the race ducks of shells. <laughs> So basically, what we what we do is um, these guys aren't labelled up; they're new ducks that haven't been labelled yet. Say what say you that, see. Say that, so that's R one rubber ducky. It's a yellow rubber duck with a, a duck. little coloured outfit, and I'm guessing the coloured outfit implies something for well, they, all they, our audio viewers. They usually have tags on them, uh, dog right. tags with R one, R two, F two, duck tags, R seven, R eight. If you're holding the R one duck, you're on R one. If you're not holding a duck, you can't fly. You don't have clearance. And you put that round your antenna and that detunes it just enough. <laughs> yeah. <to> that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and then if you're not, if you, you know, if it's a practice event, so there's no structure to it, um, that's how you can figure out who's on what channel. You know, there's only six channels being used. When you stop flying, you chuck the duck at someone that, that wants to fly, they go onto that channel. And, and that was. Um, just the best solution that saved me so many headaches um especially with guys that aren't so experienced guys that have been to a lot of races just kind of tune into that whole ethos because it's drilled into you the channels and the heats and and it's quite structured when yeah. a bunch of you turn up to a bando it's lord of the flies mm-hmm. you know because one guy's going to be on r7 on the 1.2 gigawatts and one guy's on boss can be and one guy's that you just grab the race ducks and go right that's the channels we're using. Yep. I, I have a, a slightly over-engineered version of the race ducks that I'm hoping to have working in time for LDNO. So if if that works, then I'll, I'll show that on stream. If, but if it doesn't, everybody that ducks. doesn't race will be acutely aware of, I'm just going to turn on, Screaming, screaming, <laughs> screaming. Okay, I'm unplugging again. Unplug, <laughs> unplug. Who plugged in? Unplug. If there's one thing you can't organise, it's three people in a field trying to fly together in we've less got than six an hour. And by that time, we've already crashed all the quads anyway. So, so for, for all of us who are perhaps crap and can maybe just hit a gate or two in a simulator, are there any bando events coming up? Any people getting together to, to fly bandos? Because I'm in London, and to be honest, I'm continually surprised. This. There's very few people within 
reach of me who who are going out and flying well there's there's in london there's the crack palace that's that's the famous one that a lot of people right. go to it's quite um, difficult to get to a by charming far, name i know an old police station of all things if you know yep. about it absolutely yeah. Every, everybody is welcome everybody is welcome at race events you know we had um so we had 36 pilots at the last event and the guys who finished at the bottom were doing one or two laps the guys at the top were doing eight laps in in the same amount of time but everybody's welcome to come out if you can hit a couple of gates and have a good laugh and you know not get too stressed when you crash come along give it a go if if you just want to hit one gate and gate and power loop it again and again and again if you just power loop the start gate and just keep going over the timer (laughs) you you'll be fine it's about my speed there's there's no one's going to close that on sunday you know There is no limitation. There's no minimum entry requirement. Come along, fly your quad, have a good laugh. Awesome. Don't forget to bring sandwiches. Yeah. Otherwise, it will be Lord of the Flies. (laughs) No one wants that. Anyway, on that note, I think we are out of time. Um, Thank you guys so much. It's been very interesting. And uh, I've I've learned a lot. I've sat in the corner. Cerebrus. Is that right? (laughs) Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Egregious. Sir Egregious. Um, anyway, uh, you've it's, been joined it's by. It's still better than Fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is. Now I'm going to call you that from then on. Uh, we've been joined by our Lord and Overmaster and uh, the person who's running LDO now. Have we filled up? Are we out of slots? Uh, that's on? a good point. I will put the sign-up link in the description because there are a small handful of slots still available for our limited capacity event, uh, mainly due to parking. So if you're coming by public transport, you're more likely to get in. Or carpool. Exactly. Are we allowed to carpool? Yeah, the window's open. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Masks on. Stick them on the roof. Uh, and we've been joined by Winter Blue. Good evening. Uh, Fluffy. <laughs> What's the name of your show again um, that you guys... Uh, so our show is Quadratic. Quadratic. I'm sorry, I always forget. Um, uh, Stephen uh, Belrick. Thanks, everyone. Sporting a fantastic... Is it Tom Smith uh, shirt, Fly or Die? Some dude from the States, I saw it on Bardville's show ages ago, and I got in touch with the, the guy who did the shirts. It's a, a guy and his wife who sell these T-shirts, and it's uh, someplace he, he actually goes to fly freestyle, and he just kind of did a big old uh, shirt about it. That is awesome. And uh, we've been joined by everyone's favourite curry kitten. Goodbye. And I've been bright until I fly. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Telemetry lost.